Welcome back to episode number 48 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff the MP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices. Keep those comments and questions coming to me. You guys are doing a good job. I, it was real flat over the weekend. It was Easter, though, right? So, um, didn't see a lot of downloads. It was, it was, it was kind of there. But you know, I'm glad you guys are taking a break and getting away from work and and thinking about this stuff. And and uh, that's a good thing, right? So take those breaks every now and then and get with family. Enjoy your time with them. Have a good meal. Have a couple libations and just enjoy it. So that's great. A um, couple things that I wanted to talk about today. Just the, the first thing was I, I keep getting a couple good comments coming in and, and um, from people. It seems to be a general theme. And it's been several people over the last week or two that have sent me PMs through Facebook. And, and, and it's a lot of stuff about what it's like you know, in your first two months, three months of being a nurse practitioner. And, and some of the different stuff that you have to address. And, and um, one of them in particular, and we'll talk about it today, is what do you do as a new nurse practitioner when you get those challenging patients that are kind of demanding the medicines and, and that are kind of expecting antibiotics or expecting Percocets or expecting, you know, Xanax or, you know, whatever it is. And they, they, um, they're really convincing and they're really, you really see them suffering, whether it's real or not. They, they appear to be by all intent and purposes, really suffering and need, need medicine, need help. And as a new nurse practitioner, what do you do? How do you handle that? And that was a good question because um, it kind of tied in with some of the other themed questions of, you know, what do you do in this type of circumstance and what do you do in that? And, and I, my answer to a lot of these, regardless of what it is as a new nurse practitioner, is be confident in your not knowing or be confident in knowing. It doesn't matter, but be confident. That's the key. Because if you're not confident, then 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 people will make you feel bad or try to try to make you feel guilty for not taking care of them or you know it's they're good at this and and some people are are doing it on purpose and other people's they just they just know how to manipulate and they're very manipulative and will try to get it get things and take advantage of you so what do you do in these certain circumstances well the one in in particular was about antibiotics and and i'm not going to use his name but thanks bud you got you're you rock man you keep giving me great ideas and you're always reliable and always kind words and i appreciate it so thanks you know who you are so keep up listening and keep up giving me good ideas. So uh, I certainly appreciate it. Um, but here's here's the deal. One in particular was antibiotics, but it could be Percocets, it could be Xanax, doesn't matter. It could be anything, right? Unnecessary treatments, CTs, MRIs, it doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. So what what you do is if somebody comes in and, and it's been one day and they say I've got a sniffle and a cough and a you know I haven't had any temps. Or a low-grade temp, but they're just kind of, eh, feel general malaise. I mean, you can tell right now it looks viral. It sounds viral. It talks viral. It quacks viral. It's, a vi- it's viral, right? It's a duck. It quacks, it's a duck. So you, you, you can tell right off the bat. So you just say confidently, this is viral. <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving you antibiotics. Now, here's the deal. Even if it was a bacteria that was in there, they're probably going to clear it because it's so subacute that it's not a big deal. Now they could have a huge temperature spike, and you can see they're diaphoretic, and they're laying on the table and not really able to move. You know, I mean, okay, you know, it's been two days of this. Something's, you look septic, you know. I mean, you look sick. So either you're going to go to the emergency room like this because you can't drink, or if you're able to drink and eat and, you know, get food in, then, then maybe I'll consider antibiotics. But you have to look at your presentation, but you got to be confident about it. you got to be confident about it. Now, day four in... Uh, family comes in 
and I've had this happen in um, little child. It's you know preteen. I shouldn't say little, but you know preteen has a sporting event in three days, and it's middle of the week. It's the weekend. They've got you know something swimming meet or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. And I'm not using the exact instance, so I'm not going to blow HIPAA. And they and they say um, they started with a sniffle last night, but we got a we got a big swim meet this weekend. We can't be we got to be healthy, so I need some antibiotics to to knock this out. <laughs> and I laugh. I say no, <laughs> no. There's no reason for you at at preteen age to to treat somebody with an inappropriate medication just so they can go to a swim meet. Sorry, if your kid's sick with a virus, they stay home. <laughs> Sorry, it's not it's not bacterial, and so it's education. But you got to be confident in how you say it because if you're like, well, it might be viral, it might be bacterial, then they're going to be well. They give me the back antibiotics, and then you know it's not going to do anything. But even if it does do something, they're going to get rest and relax and take, drink lots of water because they're going to baby the kid until the weekend. So they're probably going to clear the virus anyways. So they'll be f- feeling better by then. So that's I I'm st- I stand firm on those. I I don't I don't bend. I, I use the seven day rule, and that's usually a little earlier. Some people do ten days. I'm a seven day guy. If you're miserable at seven days still, or it's worse than it was at seven days, then you'll get an antibiotic. And I tell them, you know, I'll work it up, and I'll even put in my plan. Consider, you know, amoxicillin or augmentin or whatever it is that I want to use for this person. It just depends on what their history is and what their you know their allergies and stuff like that. But I'll put it in the plan so I don't have to rethink about it later. I do look it up again. I check their allergies before I prescribe anything, before I hit the go button. But that way, they, if they call in and say, yeah, it's been it's been seven days, I look at the calendar, I look when the call came in, I look at when they saw me, and it's been seven days, and they've been struggling, and they're, you know, what are their symptoms? Well, they've got now they've got continued temperatures, they've still got um, you know, sore throat and all this other stuff. Okay. Yeah, fine. We'll get you some antibiotics, but I stand firm. I really do. I don't, I don't bend and I do it because I'm, I, I'm confident. Nope. Nope. Not doing it. And I educate and I put it right in my plan. Most likely viral educated patient antibiotics, not appropriate. So that way, if they come back later and say, yeah, that was, that was, uh, you know, strep throat. And now I got rheumatic fever. You got, a, you got 10 days for rheumatic fever. So don't worry about it. So don't worry about it. And you've got time to treat the strep. It just makes you miserable. But if it's strep, I'm gonna, if it looks streppy, I'm going to swab them anyways. And I'll know right then. Most likely. You know, I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. But anyways, so that's kind of what I do. Same thing with, with uh, I tell people point blank. Yeah, I'm, uh, you got you got anxiety issues? Okay. Tell me about that. What are you taking? What have you taken? Well, I take Xanax. How much are you taking it? Well, I take this much. Who, who prescribed it? Oh, my last provider. Well, you might want to go back to them because <laughs> I'm not going to provide that. <laughs> Sorry. You could go to go to a behavioral health center to get get to off of you know off of it as a you know taper. But I'm not going to give it to you. Just not going to do it. It's not what I'm doing. And that kind of ties in with my second thing for today. And and so that that's the, my my advice is just be confident. Don't be a wimp about it. If you if you show an ounce of of um, of weakness, they'll, they'll sense it, and they'll be like, "Yeah, well, well, you said you, you know, might be bacterial. I want some antibiotics." And then you're like, "Well, I did say that, so I might as well just give it to them." And now, here's I have done this: if I've had somebody that's been five days sick, and they're doing maybe a little bit better, about the same, but in two days I would have prescribed them, or three days I would have prescribed them an antibiotic. 
what I will do is I'll t- I'll prescribe if I can trust them. If it's somebody I know I can trust, I'll do the prescription for the antibiotic and say, but I don't want you picking it up for two more days. And that way it's on them. And I explain to them why. Because it's probably viral, but you still just haven't cleared it. If you're not better, and if, especially if it's coming into a weekend. You know, if it's if it's Thursday and, you know, over the weekend, that way it just saves the people on call getting a phone call Saturday night. I'll, I'll do a script and say, you know what, I don't want you picking up. I can tell when you pick it up. Because it comes in through my system. So don't don't pick it up for two days. And they'll be like, okay, I won't. And if they go pick it up, I don't care. Whatever. I mean, it's just as long as it's as long as we're close to that week. I, I'd prefer ten days, but you know that's a long time to make people miserable. And you got to be political about it too, right? I mean, if you make people miserable all the time, why are they going to go to you? They're going to go to stack care. So you know you don't want to lose your business. I hate to be crass about that. It's still business. You don't want to lose business. It's still political. You got to show that you're trying to take care of them. Show that you're concerned about it. But, you know, they pay a copay, they want to go there, and they pay a copay, and you check them out, and they say, man, I walked out of there with nothing. So I usually try to give them some kind of something, whether it's Teslon pearls for their cough or, you know, some, something that's going to try to flonase if they've got a lot of, you know, ear crackling, eustachian tube dysfunction, I'll do that. So, I mean, I do other things to try to address their, their symptoms um, and, and spend some time with them talking about them and really check them out good. But the, the problem is, is that, you know, if antibiotics aren't warranted, they're not warranted. So if they get a copay, it's hard because they, they want something. You know, they went through, they took time off work to go to see you, and now you're telling them uh, it's just viral. Go home and get some rest. Well, I could have done that without you. Yes, you could have, <laughs> right? And most practitioners never go to the doctor. We, you're to their practitioner. We just gut it out. That's what we do. So okay. So second one for today. That was a good question, and and uh, I see that one come up on Facebook all the time. It's you know usually. Uh, you know, what are your, it's one of those opinionated things. What do you, you know, what are your thoughts on this? And, and mine is just stand firm. But now here's kind of similar in that same vein is what do you do about the, the patient? This is a, one of those new NP questions too. The, the anti-vaxxer people. And um, I'm not trying to categorize because I'm, I'm not going to lie. There's things about the anti-vax discussion that I find interesting and raise questions that I think should be raised, but I think they take it to an extreme to the point where, you know, it's just, it's just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. The total anti-vax thing. Um, I'm a huge fan of vaccines. There's a reason we don't have pertussis. <laughs> you know, we, we don't see it every day. Every now and then you'll hear about it, you know, Amish country and things like that, but you don't see it in typical communities in, in America anymore because... It, we, we, we do get that. Now, there's the anti-vax movement, and I'm not trying to be derogatory by saying those anti-vaxxers, because to be honest with you, at one point in time, I was kind of like, yeah, I, don't, I kind of agree with a lot of what they say. Um, here's my issue with vaccines, and then I'll tell you how I handle it. Um, well, first off, most of my most of my patient population, they, they look at me and say, what do you, tell me what to do. They, 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 completely trust <laughs> pretty much as far as vaccines because they don't research they don't care they just don't look at this stuff what do i have to do to get my kid in school so that i can you know go hang out or do whatever they want to do so it's it's more of a an issue like that so um 
and there's a lot of good parents too, so don't don't take that the wrong way. But a lot of times it's whatever you say, let's just do it. And and so I educate them and say, well, it's your decision first off, so it's not mine. And second, um, here's the reasons we don't have you know all of these diseases, and it's because of these immunizations. And then I go through and do the legal you know spiel about you know all the site reactions and stuff, and have them fill out the paperwork about previous reactions and are they sick and all that stuff. So I've got the documentation and. And then from there, we give the handout that says, here's the immunization with all the information and who to call, what to do if something happens. And so it's all there. So we, it's, we're, we're covered. It's all legit. Everything's good. But the problem is, is that if you go back a couple years ago, before I was in healthcare, and before I was really heavily into this side of healthcare anyways, and, and my viewpoint for where I was with respect to vaccines was, first off, I didn't realize what... You know, I knew how many we were really getting. I know I knew my kids got a ton of them, but I really didn't pay attention. You know, and, and when I was in nursing school undergrad, I learned them and then moved on, and that was it. And I knew there was a ton of them, but I really didn't think about the diseases and seeing kids with the problems of the out. You know, of not getting them. So the impact, the other side of it. I just saw, oh, my kid got a ton of vaccines today, and they're sore, and they you know, got a little low-grade temp, and they got these little bumps on their legs, and they're just irritable for a day or two. That's what I saw. But when, when I started doing some research and things, I realized that, that some of the claims that people made, MMR and autism, for example, um, and this is a nerve, man. We touch a nerve with this one. It gets, it gets people fired up. Because you, you do see so many anecdotal um, stories, even personally, like throughout the community that I live in, where, you know, on day, day one, kid was great. Got his immunization. Day two, he's flapping his arms. Now, is it coincidence? Might, maybe. But, man, it's just such a weird coincidence. And to hear it over and over again, it starts to raise those questions. And then the, the other thing is that, that um, you know, just anecdotally, it just, I mean, that just seems really weird, right? Um, does that mean we should stop doing it? No, but I think maybe it should be a warning. <laughs> but the problem is, is that you can't give that warning. No one would take it. So that that's an issue there, right? So you know, getting people to do the immunizations that they need to protect the community, protect the kids, is one thing. But man, that scares the crap out of you when you're the provider and you're the one saying, "Yeah, this is safe," and you just don't know. You know, you're not not you're ninety nine point nine percent sure, but point one percent of somebody getting autism is scary. <laughs> you know. So I, what I do with those instances is I will always say, well, the studies that have been published do not indicate a causal link between MMR and autism. And that's true. The studies don't show that, that have been published. The problem is, is that as, as a past researching person, you know, doing a lot of research and doing a research pr project in my MSN program, you can manipulate data very easily. And, and the, there was a movie that was called Vaxxed. And I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. And I, and I would like to see it, just because I want to see all sides of every issue before I really definitively bash one or the other. And that movie, from what I've heard, and this is secondhand, it goes into detail about the MMR vaccine, and it wasn't Wakefield. It was Wakefield was like a contributor, but he wasn't like a major thing in the movie. It wasn't all about Andrew Wakefield, and um, and I've read Andrew Wakefield's study, by the way, 
and I actually looked up some of the raw data way back when when I read that study and there was a, there was some information that was left out of that study so the published study does not show a causal link but the raw data when you look at the raw data there very well may be and it was more towards african-american males and it was like five percent increase in autistic potential based upon it and it was a correlative uh, study so they did actually run the correlation on it but they they pared down the 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 n <laughs> they got rid of the sample because it didn't show necessarily what they wanted so i don't know i don't know where, where why did they do that there's no data on that there's no you know maybe that data wasn't collected properly and it wasn't justified to get rid of it i don't know i just don't know but it's enough of a question that man it should be done again <laughs> it should be studied again it should be more thorough and and I see people say, well, are you insane? They've been doing this study. They've been study after study. And they've got, you know, tons of people in this studies. And, and they show that MMR does not. And, and so that's why I'm okay saying, you know, this published studies don't show it. The risk of that, you know, there's been no causal risk shown by any study. I'm not lying to a patient. And you say it confidently. And you, and you give them, the, give them the, the immunization. I mean, that's the standard. The problem is, is that, you know, deep down in your core, is that the right thing? I don't know. I just don't know. So there's always that tiny little doubt <laughs> because of the data that you look at. Now, the Wakefield study, here's the problem that this all came from. Andrew Wakefield did a study um, that was about the MMR vaccine and something totally different. I can't remember what it was. It was had nothing to do with autism. Had nothing at all to do with it. And, and when he was doing his um, conclusion and his summary section of the, of the study which is all his opinion. It's completely his opinion in that point. Your conclusion is drawing, drawing uh, inferences from the data. His data was all, co for all intent and purposes, correct. There was no complaint about his data or his data collection or his statistics. Any of that was all legit. But what he said was in his conclusion, I don't even think it was a conclusion, I think it was in the summary, that where, where he say, um, you always say future research should be done on this topic and it, you know, here's some other issues that we saw because of our study. Well, he said that there might be a causal link because the, he noticed that there was some uh, number of autistic people related to that. Now, did he have any reason to say that? Probably not. He, he probably did, but it wasn't shown by the evidence in his, in his study. And so he became this champion for, for anti-vaxxers of, look, look, we have a study that says that you shouldn't take the MMR because it causes autism. It wasn't even that. It was a, it was a summary. It was his opinion of, of future research. So all this got blown out of proportion because people didn't understand how to read a study. So number one, that's where it came from. But then when they, they dug deeper on this issue and they saw some of the stuff from the CDC and all, you know, just the data from the CDC, the, the raw data kind of showed that there was a, a link and so you know i don't know i it just it, it causes that little bit of self-doubt now the latest one that i've seen recently and and nobody's asked me about it and i haven't said anything about it because the studies still show that it's safe and there's no problem but the american i think it's the american college of pediatricians it's the pediatric um organization had put out a white paper in 2016 about the HPV vaccine. And it specifically said that there is an, an incidence of premature ovarian failure, um, which is basically menopause in teenage girls, and that 
that the um, study that was done for Gardasil did not specifically do their control properly. And you can go Google this one. It's right there. It's easy. It's just it's put Gardasil and um, American Pediatrics or something like that. It comes right up. And it's, it looks legit. I mean, this looks like a legit white paper that this person wrote. And it's got some compelling reasons why the study that was done saying the efficacy and the safety of the Gardasil vaccine um, wasn't compared well with control. They had different you know, substrates in the, in the vial that were used, and, and it wasn't in the, the control. And so you know, it just it wasn't done well. The, the study wasn't, didn't appear to be done well, according to this person. And it's pretty compelling. It really is. So it begs the question of, does it cause premature ovarian failure? I don't know. I, I don't think so. But the study wasn't done great based upon the this stuff that this guy put out. So does that mean I stopped giving HPV vaccines? Uh, no. I mean, we, we, the current studies show that it's safe. But, man, I would feel like crap if, you know, 20 years from now, I got 50 women saying I could never have kids because of you. <laughs> you told me it was safe. You told my mom and dad it was safe. And it was. All the data shows it is. But, man, I don't know. So I, I handle it confidently. I'm not going to give that that doubt. Um, but behind closed doors, it's like, man, I, I just don't know. Now, if it's a boy and give it HPV, they don't have they don't have ovaries. Yeah, give it. I don't have any reason why not to. And could those those premature ovarian failures be caused by other things? Absolutely, it could. But when the study's not done quite right, and then it shows this incidence, you know, and it's not even a, a statistical, you know, correlation per se, correlation being a true statistical term. But man, it's scary. <laughs> it makes me second guess it every now and then. Like, man, I don't know. I just cross my fingers and say a little prayer and say, please, Lord, help this child not have a problem. You know, with every one of them. So it's not that I'm an anti-vaxxer. I believe in vaccines. I really do. But I think anytime the government and big business, which guess what? Who makes the, the, the vaccines? Big friggin' business. And you guys know me by now, I hate government and I hate big business. And those two are collaborating together, but you can't even tell the difference. You, you can't tell where one starts and the other one ends. And you and these are the two guys, these two, in, in, in air quotes, two guys that are, that are in cahoots to make it safe for us, the sheeple. I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. So, I, I, it's just, there's always something. Now, now, that being said, again, there's a reason we don't have pertussis. And that's the one I look to, because people understand whooping cough. They've heard the commercial with the, the kid barking his cough. So, and there's, there's a reason that kids don't get, you know, chicken pox anymore. So, it's, it, there's, a, there's, there's good reasons for it. And I truly believe that it's better to get them than not. But there's always that little doubt. So, anyways, that that was one I I've been kind of thinking about is you know how do I how do I pull this in now? There there's a guy I've got a phone number of a guy through a buddy of mine that is a PhD in immunology, and um, I wanted to get some some episodes under my belt and have a couple of of um, interviews under my belt so that it doesn't look too hokey or sound too hokey because when I do that I want to call this person and see if I can get an interview with them because I want to ask them these specific questions I want I want somebody in the know that knows the statistics in and out and knows the immunology in and out to um, to give some good guidance on this because you know I just don't know you see both sides of it you're like I can see both points now the anti-vax crowd 
they take it to the extreme and they just look like crazy, you know, crazy people. They're just, you know, looking irrational. You, you want your kid to get whooping, whooping cough? I mean, really? Because you, you know, don't want to put poison in your body, but yet you're, you know, taking them to McDonald's five times a day. You know, I mean, poison is poison. So, you know, you have to, you have to weigh the, the pros and the cons on that one. So anyways, I'm, I'm going to try to see if I can get that set up here and I don't know, maybe over the summer and see if I can get this gentleman on and, and, and have a PhD in immunology really just tell us the truth about what's going on and what he thinks is the truth. Now, keep in mind, this is a state university, so he's, he's kind of part of the government, but you never know. Um, I would hope that at this level, at this lower end of things, there's no kickbacks. There's no, you know, there's no reason to, to not tell the truth. So, anyways, the, the immunization things have been have been in the back of my mind and just kind of a neat um, thing to talk about, but it's, it can be scary. Say it confidently, though. When, you, when you're talking to the patients, especially the, the parents of the one-year-old, and they're like, should we really be getting 16 of these immunizations to get caught up? Yeesh. All right, why don't we spread them out a little bit? <laughs> we'll get you caught up, but we're going to spread them out because I don't want to, you know, I kind of want to know which one causes a reaction, if there is a reaction. Plus, I don't want to hurt this kid. So I don't have a problem doing that. And, and if, if I have somebody that's really on the know and says, you know what, I don't agree with the schedule that's put out by the U.S. government, but I really want to take and spread out, you know, for these first year of life, we give a lot of immunizations. Let's spread those out a little bit. Do we really need to do them all at one time? And I'll, and I'll work out a schedule with them. If I could trust them, I have no problem with that. It's a great plan. The parents care. They want the immunization. They just don't want them all at once. Sure. Let's work with them. So just because the government says we got to do it here, here, and here, that's whatever. Right? As long as they get them, I'm good. So, so we're at 25 minutes today. I had another one I wanted to talk about, but we'll hold off. We'll do that one for another show. I want to thank you guys. You guys did a great job um, the last couple of weeks just sharing the show. I'm still getting some new likes. iTunes, I still only have three... Uh, comments and rates on iTunes. So go on iTunes. If you guys are iTunes people, take take one minute and just go in and say, "Here, give this guy a rating." And here's why I'm, I've been listening to him. And you know, whether you like me or not, give me a rating. I'd prefer you give me a good rating. If you don't give me a good rating, just tell me why. I'm good with it. Give me what you think I am. If it's a two, I'm a two. That's fine. If that's what you think I am, that's fine. But I want to know why. You got to tell me why, though. If you're going to give me a negative, a low rating, I want to know why. Because I want to see if I can fix it. If I can't fix it, then eh, that's just a personality conflict. We just don't click. So anyways, thanks again for listening. I appreciate you guys doing so. You can always email me new ideas, um, questions, concerns, issues, corrections. I'm good with that too. Jeff at thenpdude.com. You can catch me on Facebook at thenpdude. Don't forget the the at the beginning or else you'll get some guy in Nepal. Um, you can also message me through Facebook. You could uh, just drop me a line. Smoke signals work too. I put that in the show notes the other day. Whatever you need to do to get in touch with me, you do it. So thanks for listening. We'll talk soon.